Thanks, Cody. How are you all feeling this morning? There's been a... Um, actually, I'm a little bit sore this morning. <laughs> Came off the bike twice yesterday. <laughs> uh, maybe trainer wheel... Well, the sort of terrain I go over, trainer wheels might get in the road. But yes, did a chest plant on the first one. So just a bit sore. But um, God's good. And there's been a real theme running through the, the service this morning of just God really wanting to speak into our lives about stuff that we just need to, to get worked on. And it, it's great because that's a, a real aspect of the talk I'm bringing today that, that you know, we all hear from God. In fact, Jesus said his sheep hear his voice. It's a promise that Jesus has given us that we get to hear God speak into our lives and see um, see him transform us into his image. Isn't that good? Yeah. So um, this morning, I'd say that there'd be a percentage of people here who, if they were asked, would say they don't really encounter God. Now, they still love God. They worship him. They serve him. They operate in his gifts. But encountering God on a regular basis, they'd say, um, maybe not. And if you, if you think you're in that category, I can relate to that because I've been like that for, for most of my Christian life. Others of you here will encounter God in various ways at various degrees on various occasions, which is absolutely awesome. However, however, you can always encounter God more. And one of the really cool things about when we encounter God, when we have an encounter with Him, when we meet with God, is that it is one of the tools that He uses to actually reveal who we are. To actually open up and speak into our hearts and into our minds about who He's made us to be. And the different things that need to happen in our lives to help us to grow into that person. Yeah. Um, John sixteen thirteen says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Yeah. And part of that truth includes who we are in Jesus. Who God designed us to be before the foundation of the world. He thought about you and he thought about me. Who we who we are going to be. And I don't think any of us have yet reached our full potential of what God has for us. There are always things that he's going to be working on to grow and develop us. And God coming along and revealing truth to you is one of the best ways that God does this. Now, in, in our lives, so often we'll experience problems or have, have issues that need to be worked on. You know, we might struggle with anger. Perhaps we're discouraged, feeling pain, uh, being lazy, having bad desires, problems with our thoughts, relational issues, shame, guilt, the list goes on, fear. We could all add lots and lots of things to that list. And we realize that most, most of the time, we're not actually even sure where these problems started or where they came from. 
but we do realize that they limit us, that they limit us the potential that God has for us. They limit our ability to fulfill God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. But you know, if we don't know what to do about it, someone does. And that someone is Jesus. Jesus always has answers to what we're facing. And when we encounter him, when we meet with Jesus, he'll bring revelation that will bring breakthrough in our thought life, breakthrough in our beliefs, breakthrough in understanding our identity, and breakthrough in understanding God's goodness and who he is. You know, these character flaws that we talked about end up wearing us down if they aren't dealt with. And sometimes we might be tempted to blame our circumstances. Sometimes we might be tempted to blame other people. But in reality, what needs to happen is, is get worked on in here. Yeah. It's not the circumstances and it's not other people that need to change. We need to change. Isaiah has a great verse in it, Isaiah 40, uh, 28 to 31. Um, and here it says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men, young men shall fall exhausted. Now, I, I remember what it's like to be young. There was a time, sorry for those who are sick of running stories from me over the years, but there was a time I used to run a bit, about 100 miles a week. And uh, so for me, running wasn't a hardship and I could actually run a really long way. And I think Simon Dodge last weekend, he did a 100k race. Yeah, 12 hours, or just under 12 hours he did it in. But in this verse, we're looking at a comparison here between God's boundless energy and his incredible understanding and that even those who are, we would perceive around here or, or generally who should also have boundless energy like youth and young adults, They will get weary and lose strength. Everyone does. And when I looked up the concordance for definitions uh, of the original Hebrew words used for uh, some of the words in that text, uh, faint, exhausted, might, and strength, you know, it, just, it doesn't just paint a picture of getting tired from physical um, activity. When you look at all the definitions of those, of those original Hebrew words, they paint a picture of running out of resource, capability, understanding, implying that we have tried everything, whatever we're facing or dealing with, and actually we're now ready to give up. That's what the verse is implying. And I don't think any of us have to live too long before we understand the truth of that. No? Perhaps it's our study gets too hard, so we, we want to give up and maybe watch TV instead. Our job gets too hard and we want to quit it. 
a relationship is too difficult and we want to walk away from it. Pain becomes too much for us to bear. I was thinking about that slightly as I was lying on the track <laughs> yesterday with the wind knocked out of me and, and trying to make a loud noise so that Carl will, would hear he has a bit of head and come back and just in case I had broken my ribs again. Um, but I got up and carried on because I didn't want pain to, and fear to rule my life. Denise had a different view when I got home. Now, Isaiah has a solution to this feeling that we just can't go on anymore. And he says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we, again, when I looked up this, uh, the word wait in the concordance, the image that it paints there is taken from a farmer watching his crops, seeing it grow, mature, and become ready for harvest. So it's not actually just passive sitting back and saying, oh, well, this is happening. One day God will come along. It's actually being more active of watching, anticipating, being part of. And as we look on God, our understanding of who he is grows and we receive revelation from him and we are changed and transformed and we receive a new perspective, we receive new energy, we receive new resource to carry out the tasks that he's got for us. And according to Isaiah, all we have to do to receive this is to wait on him. Therefore, as we look on the Lord, wait on him, our hope is restored, our energy renewed, and we can fly above our circumstances. We can receive energy and strength for the journey. And all this takes place as we wait on God, encounter him, meet him, and he speaks to us. Now, isn't that a great reason to meet with God? As we meet God, we encounter God and we hear him speak. And it's that speaking that brings the revelation that we need to bring change. For me, encountering and meeting with God regularly hasn't always been easy or even happened. In fact, I, I started to believe a lie that God had made some people in a way that meant they didn't have God encounters. Because that meant they could live a, a life of stronger faith, believing in God to see things happen without having that actual experience of God encounters. And for most of my Christian life, that was the case. But in recent years, God has shattered that wrong belief for me. God has shown me that we are able to meet with him, to encounter him, and to hear him speak on a regular basis basis and in that process God has revealed a tool or a method that I now regularly use when I'm ministering to people and I've found that actually using that tool myself it's, it's released or activated a whole new dimension to my prayer life 
and it will bring a new level of revelation to you as Jesus speaks to you and helps you to change and become more like him. Would you like to know what it is? Mike, you probably know. It's something that, I'm, that I call sanctified imagination. It's allowing God to speak through our imagination. It's something that Denise coined a definition for, which is going on adventures with God in our imagination. Allow, allow me to share you a story that happened to someone I was ministering to uh, up at Hamner a few years ago with, with Sanctified Imagination. So this is a guy by the name of Andrew. He actually is a member of Paul Edlund's church up north. I'd never met the guy before. And uh, I was in, in Hamner, you've got about 120, 130 uh, Baptist pastors and leaders gathered together, just spending two to three days seeking God, praying, uh, praising, allowing God to speak to you. It's an absolutely awesome time. I always make sure it's the, one of the most important things in my calendar each year. And the, uh, I was standing on one side of the room and, and saw Andrew uh, standing on the other side and just felt an impression to go over and, and minister to Andrew. So I went over to him and you know, worship music was going on and I went up to Andrew and suggested to him that it would be for him to um, I sense that tramping was something that that was the appropriate Im uh, imagination imagery for him and so I said do you enjoy tramping and he said yeah I love it it's one of my favorite hobbies and, and I'm amazed that when I'm ministering to people in, in this area I just seem to always be able to click into what is something that they're really passionate about God just seems to reveal that uh, to me as I'm ministering to them and so uh, I said to him, so with tramping, what I want you to do is in your imagination, imagine that you're tramping through the bush. And so he, he started doing that, imagining he was tramping through the bush. And I said, now what I want you to do is ma imagine that Jesus is walking beside you and ask him, can he see that? And he said, yes, he could. And I said, start having a conversation with him. And he did. And as he did, the Spirit of God just powerfully came on him and impacted him. He was on the floor for over half an hour as, as God spoke to him and dealt with him in things and, and um, brought revelation to aspects in his life. He, has, he had an incredible time with God that he'd never experienced before. I caught up with him. Um, this, uh, this is the subject of a book that I'm writing will be published early next next year and so I caught up with Andrew uh, a few months ago to have a chat with him what actually happened, what changed and he said before that time uh, things like meditation and, and using imagination he'd be absolutely against because as a young Christian many years ago you know, there'd been people preaching that you, know, you, want to, you don't want to get into that area because it's a playground of the devil and um, Hamner is a really safe environment and just the way it happened, he was really happy to go into, into his imagination and allow this to happen. And he said, you know, he the impact that God had on his life was something that he had never experienced before. 
and he said he repented of his um, attitude towards God working in that way and the spirit just filled him in a, in a new way and now he is regularly using his imagination and hearing from God um, he has had an incredible increase in the prophetic in his church uh, in the area of um, uh, um, what's uh, sorry let me find my notes what's the name for that Uh, powerful intercession, discerning what's happening in the spiritual realm, being a real help to the church. And the other thing that he's found is he, he uh, something that I hadn't tried before, he's using his imagination when he's reading scripture. And he reads a story in the Bible and actually puts himself into that situation and his imagination to, to pick up what's going on. He said it brought a whole new level of um, understanding around scripture to him. He said he's more confident, he has increased in faith, um, is more effective in seeing kingdom things take place since that time. Andrew encountered Jesus, had lies revealed and replaced with truth. His beliefs were changed, and so is his future. And Andrew, like you and me, is designed to encounter God. Now, it is, so this has been a journey for me of nearly 10 years, actually learning about this. And for many years, God started uh, working with me where I'd just start ministering to people and I'd feel impression to actually lead them into an imagination exercise. And then I finally got to the point thinking, why aren't I using this myself? You know, some people think I'm a bit slow. I tend to agree with them occasionally. And, and the, as I started to think about it, I actually started to question, well, is this actually a God thing or not? You know, and, and I had questions around the whole aspect of uh, are we creating sort of like idolatry type situations where you're actually um, creating images and pictures of God or, or things which aren't actually right. So I said, well, I said, well, I better actually do a bit of biblical research on this. <laughs> so I, I started to actually study the Bible, what it actually said around, around encountering God, using our imagination, meeting with him, and I, and I found, discovered a whole lot of truth, which is the subject of the book that I've written. But I also discovered that there are a lot, actually a lot of lies that I believed in my own life. And one of them was that belief that I thought the way that God had designed me was so that I wouldn't encounter him, I wouldn't have experiences like that because he wanted, to be he wanted me to live by faith without that experience. And as I studied the Bible, I realized just how wrong I was. And the lie was believing that I wasn't designed to encounter God. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. There's a whole lot of points. I'm going to bring out another one next week around how we are positioned for encountering God. So come along and hear that one. But today we're going to look at the fact that we are designed to encounter God. God actually designed us that way. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
in some ways, this is an unusual verse. What does it mean to be a new creation? Hands up if you're actually a Christ follower here. I see those hands, I see those hands. (laughs) Okay, so let me ask you a question. You don't have to actually physically respond. But when you were saved, did your body suddenly disappear and reappear as something completely different? Yeah, some of us probably wish that did did happen. (laughs) But like you, when I came to faith, my body didn't suddenly change. It didn't suddenly become a whole new creation or a brand new type of body. That will happen when we go to heaven. We'll receive a new body. The Bible says that. But this verse isn't, isn't referring to a that physical change in our body, it is referring to a spiritual creation. At your point of salvation, something new in the spiritual realm was created for you. So why do we need a new creation? It's because a new creation is needed if we're going to encounter God. If we were going to encounter God in our old nature, our old form, we wouldn't survive. In the Old Testament, when Moses wanted to see God, God hid Moses in some rocks so that he could only see a very small part of God. Without the protection God provided for the encounter, Moses' body would have dissolved and ceased to exist. And often you read stories in the Old Testament about where people are encountering an angel or something like that, and they think they're going to die because of the fear of that situation. Exodus 33:19 says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Our old physical self is not able to encounter God, at least not in the way we want to encounter him as followers of Jesus. God's goodness is just too pure for that. This is the reason a new creation is so important. We need to be made of better stuff. We need to be made of stuff designed for God encounters. When I was young, maybe about 11 or 12, it was a cold cold day and I'd got to lighting the fire in the house and, and it just wasn't going well. It wasn't starting well. Perhaps the wood was a little bit wet. So I had a brainwave. I went out to the... I, I grabbed a... a ice cream container, a plastic container, went out to the garage to where we had a jerry can of petrol, poured some petrol in it, came uh, running back inside to, to throw the petrol on the fire. As I was getting there, the whole container dissolved in my hands and all went over the floor. Fortunately, I wasn't quite at the fire, or else I might not have a house at that point. <laughs> ah, the ignorance of youth. You see, the container wasn't made of good enough stuff to cope with the petrol. Similarly, when we are saved, a new creation is required to make us of better stuff to contain the God encounters that we can have. So what is the new creation? A a religious leader called Nicodemus came to see Jesus Uh, in John chapter 3 and some of the response that Jesus had to Nicodemus is really helpful in us understanding this 
John 3 verse 3 is Jesus talking to Nicodemus and he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Think about that verse carefully as it is crucial to our understanding. Jesus uses the phrase born again and uses this phrase specifically referring to becoming part of God's kingdom. When we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are choosing to accept God as our King, and we become part of His kingdom. Now today we often hear the phrase being born again as reference to the fact that we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. However, I'm not sure if we appreciate what that phrase really means. The Apostle Paul says we're new creations when we come to faith. Secondly, Jesus says we need to be born again to see God's kingdom. Isn't it interesting that being created and being born are different words or images with a very similar outcome? Both words imply that something new has been made or come into existence. We've already established that the new thing isn't physical, so what is it? Fortunately, Jesus gave some clues about what being born again means. Jesus talked about the birthing process as one of being born of water and the Spirit. Through the salvation process, we are born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth, and during birth, something new comes alive. And what is birth? John 3 verse 6 says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth to our Spirit. And it's really important to get your head around this. Both the new creation and the new birth are spiritual in nature. At the point of our salvation, the Holy Spirit gives birth and our spirit is born. We know in nature that a cat gives birth to a kitten or cat. Yep. A dog gives birth to a, a puppy or a dog, so on. Even more, what is birthed carries the likeness and the DNA of the parent. Now, there's a popular trend now for people to get their DNA checked so they can confirm where their heritage comes from. Why can they do this? Because what is born carries the DNA of the ancestors or the parents. In a similar way, when our spirit is birthed by the Holy Spirit, our spirit is of the same nature as the parent and carries the same sort of characteristics as the Holy Spirit. Now, DNA is a physical thing, but spiritually, we have the same spiritual DNA as the Holy Spirit when we come into relationship with Jesus. This is the point. Before our salvation, we did not have the capability for encountering God because our spirit was dead, and our physical body could not handle God encounters. However, after salvation, everything changed. We now have everything we need to encounter God. Our spirit is born, designed, ready, and empowered for God encounters. The same as a baby is designed to encounter its mother and father, so we are designed to encounter our spiritual parents, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the truth I didn't understand for many years. The lie I had come to accept was that God had not designed me for encounters with him. However, as born-again Christians, we are each designed for God encounters. It is our birthright. It is what we were created for. 
I now know that I am designed for God encounters. It is who I am. I don't deserve it. And it has nothing to do with my personality type. It doesn't have anything to do with how much I strive or work. Purely and simply, I can have God encounters because it is the way God made me and birthed me when I became a Christian. And the same applies to you. God is amazing, diverse, and creative by nature. The way he designed you to encounter him will most likely be different to the way he designed me for encounters. We're all unique, incredible creations of God. We should expect diversity in encounters. And while each of our encounters will be different, the point is that we should all have them. And as we encounter God, we discover who we truly are. Our beliefs change and we can walk confidently into our destiny. Now, as my beliefs change, I've now experienced countless sanctified imagination times encountering God. The odd one has caused uh, some strong manifestation of the Spirit every so often. You know, laughing a lot, unable to move on the floor, various things. And that happens occasionally. But what always happens is that Jesus reveals things about me and all things about him that brings change in some way and helps me to become who he always destined me to be. So allow me just to share a couple of quick stories of, of a couple of my encounters. In one of my sanctified imagination times, I was with Jesus in the throne room. It's, it is one of the favorite places I like to be these days in my imagination. And Jesus invited me to sit down, and then in my imagination, he proceeded to wash my feet. I hadn't been reading verses to verses about that at all. There's no reason for me to go there. It's just sometimes God leads me into, into various things he's wanting to do or show me. And as Jesus was washing my feet, he said to me, do you know why I'm doing this? And I, I scratched my head physically, not in my imagination. And I replied that, well, I remember the story of the Bible of you doing this to the disciples, but I can't remember the exact reasons why you did it to them. And Jesus responded to me, the reason I'm doing this for you now is I want you to understand that if I'm happy to wash the muck off you that you build up each day without judgment, then why would you judge others about their mark? And I realized that there had been times that I had been judging other people for decisions I'd made, for things that, they were, uh, things that they were doing, and it wasn't my place to judge. So I determined to focus on becoming more encouraging to people rather than uh, thinking in the background, judging thoughts. Another time, Jesus took me, uh, I, was, I was walking along a road and he led me to a garden. And Jesus said to me, this is the garden of your heart and mind. Jesus then went on to explain um, many things and told me that a when a person comes to him, their garden is a mess. The garden of their heart and mind is a mess. It's full of weeds and has poor soil. And Jesus explained that the first thing he does is plant the tree of life in the middle of each new garden. He's, he then starts to clear away weeds 
which is a real process as some weeds have deep roots and take a long time to be removed completely. Jesus explained that these weeds represent bad beliefs. And I observed an area of my garden that looked like the soil had freshly been worked over. I looked at Jesus and he smiled. He said, that's an area of bad beliefs we've been working on lately. As we pull those out, we prepare the soil for new beliefs to grow. And in other parts of the garden, there appeared to be healthy, fruitful growth. And then uh, as we're walking around, Jesus handed me a spade and invited me to start digging. I then noticed a river that was running beside the garden and instinctively knew that it was the river of life. And Jesus pointed to the part of the garden and said, that part of your heart is quite dry and needs to be irrigated. So we're going to dig an irrigation channel too there. Now I share the story or these stories because it illustrates why I believe sanctified imagination is so helpful. God has called each of us to be a person of influence, to fulfill the call and destiny of our lives, to become everything that he designed and planned us to be. And God wants us to grow into that person, and it's by bringing revelation about the things that need to change and develop that that takes place. Uh, if the band can come up. Got to make it your turn. You know, it, in, in the, the book I'm writing, there's lots, I've got lots of exercises for people to try, and we're going to do one of those shortly. And, and this is a, a bit of a step of faith for me. I've now ministered with sanctified imagination to well over 100 people, and I think without exception, they've all experienced God speaking to them in some way. I've tried it in small group settings, and people, uh, people have generally found it uh, that God has spoken to them about things that they needed to hear. So now I'm going to try it in a big group setting. Uh, a, a couple of a couple of things around the imagination side. Now, some people think that, uh, you know, well, sorry, let, let's jump back to another scripture first of all. Peter on the day of Pentecost quoted the prophet Joel and said, in the last days, um, uh, old men will dream dreams, young men will see, see visions. And so, you know, that speaks of the imagination, what you're seeing. Some people see things crystal clear. Lots of us don't. I don't th see things crystal clear, but I see enough to understand. So you don't have to worry about what you, the, the clarity of what you're seeing in your imagination. You need to be thankful for what you do see. And the key thing is actually what God reveals to you. So there's two things. One is imagining yourself somewhere. Secondly, is imagining Jesus there. Thirdly, is actually starting a conversation and then allowing him to speak to you. It's hearing God's voice is the important thing. You with me? So one of the uh, best ways of finding people get being activated or using their imagination is if they start by thinking of a favorite place. 
and we all have favourite places. Uh, for me, when I started, it was running. You can imagine yourself running along a beach and then up a up a mountain. You know how the great thing about your imagination is when you're running up a mountain, you don't get tired. Uh, for some, it's been uh, sitting by some real uh, nice scenery that they like. Um, others, uh, there's one one guy we were ministering up at um, in Nelson at a, at a church, and they had a an evening thing, and they had a guy from another church who had no charismatic experience at all, and I went over to him and started uh, ministering to him and felt impression around coffee. So I, I suggested, I said, asked him, do you like coffee? And he, he, he was a coffee connoisseur. <laughs> and so I suggested that he imagine Jesus at a, at a, you know, doing the barista thing, making him a really nice cup of coffee, then coming and sitting at a table. And he was just, you know, someone who was non-charismatic was powerfully impacted by the spirit. Um, so maybe coffee is you. Maybe it's um, kayaking. Maybe it's uh, sitting in a comfy chair. It's your imagination. You know what you like. But the thing about a favorite place is it's familiar, it's a bit easier for you to imagine. Then I want you to start actually imagining Jesus with you in that place. Then actually start a conversation with him. We all, you know, the theme today is that God actually wants to work on our hearts, things that it, pain points, things that uh, need to be worked on. And so God will speak to you about the things that are on your heart. Matthew 6 um, talks about uh, um, don't be like the heathens who keep going through these repetitive prayers. It says that God knows what you're, what's on your heart before you even ask it. And this is what we're doing here. It's heart to heart with God transforming your prayer life to being a, just going through a rote of lists of things which now there's an aspect of that which is good God says keep knocking but but what he really wants is heart to heart with us he wants our heart to connect with his heart and he wants to communicate in that way and that's the power of sanctified imagination so we're going to have a little bit of music playing I'm going to pray then I would encourage you just to let your imagination go into a favorite place Imagine Jesus there and start to have a conversation with him. Lord, we are yours. We are yours. We surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you that we are your sheep and you speak to us and we want to invite you right now to come into our imagination. Thank you that you are everywhere including our imagination. Lord, we invite you to come. Be with us. Speak to us the things that we need to hear in your holy and precious name. Wait on God, church.